Welcome to Leukemia Cast. I am your host, Deirdre O'Kane. Leukemia Cast is the first podcast series for parents of children with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, ALL, in Ireland, so that they can better understand the treatment journey for their child and for their whole family. Leukemia Cast is a five part series for you to hear all about life with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, getting insights from patients, their families, and their healthcare professionals through their personal stories. Leukemia Cast has been developed by Children's Health Ireland, CHI, at Crumlin, with the support of Servier Laboratories Ireland. In this episode, we talk to Dolores and Des and hear their personal story of how they and their family came to learn about the diagnosis of Kira with ALL and how they coped with the journey through treatment. I would like to welcome Dolores and Des. First of all, uh, Dolores and Des, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Um, will you tell us about Kira, first of all? Um, so Kira, she's the youngest of our three children. So she's an older brother and an older sister. Um, she's 18 now. She's just finished her leaving cert. Um, so we're waiting for the results. Um, she She's very academic. She's a very clever girl. Um, when she started to feel better, you know, after the leukemia and she came out of hospital, she really applied herself to school. She really applied herself to her studies. Um, she has a goal. She wants to be, um, she wants to be a nurse. She's always wanted to be a nurse, but since, yeah. So even, even before, before she got sick, she wanted, she was yeah, interested in nursing. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, she's kind of changed track now. She wants to do children's nursing combined with general nursing. And her goal would be, you know, to work in Crumlin. Which is the most positive outcome you could possibly hope for. I mean, I, it says an awful lot about the care she got, too. It's, it's Yeah, it's a, it's a reflection on the care she got and on herself. That, that's, that's her takeaway from it, is that, you know, some people can say cancer can destroy you. For her, it was like, I'm going to build something from yeah. this and, and, and go on and go forward. Gosh, you know? so she positive. Formed a really, yeah, mm. she formed a really special bond with one of the CNSs um, with Fiona. Now, I know you're talking to Pam later. Pam was mm. part of the team, but she really just seemed to bond with Fiona. And uh, I just think she really just wants to emulate Fiona in, you know, later life. She's just so good to her and so good to us as well. She's really just become a friend. Fantastic. I, I do think they're the bonds that make all the difference on, on the journey. Would, would you agree? She had no shortage of role models in Crumlin. You know, I mean, there was so many of the staff that we dealt with there just were, were kind of shining beacons for us and for her. And, you know, we're able to carry that through now. And it's, it's part of our life, you know, so. Yeah. I am just going to take you back to the beginning for a moment. And I want to ask you, how did you first realise or when did you first realise that something was not right? Kira was, she's a very ordinary teenager before this happened. She was very active, very outgoing, social, you know, very social group of friends. But she's very active in terms of her sports and she was into horse riding and she practically she lived at, at her local uh, riding stables. She was always up there. And as a part of that, she'd always had rough and tumble, you know, and she's you know, a very boisterous person that way. So back in October 2018, she had a fall, which she's had before. But this fall, she felt landed very heavily on her elbow, but there was no apparent broken bones. And uh, so we're, I was kind of worried about that because normally if you fall, the, the energy has to go somewhere and you, you get a break in the bone, but nothing seemed to be too wrong. But then that started off a process where 
she became more and more ill and we were trying to chase it down through different doctors and hospitals yeah. to try and identify what the issue was. I think Dolores probably give more details of exactly how that 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 went down. But um, yeah, so she fell off the horse and um, she really developed kind of neck pain from it. Um, so we brought her back a couple of times up to um, University Hospital Kerry. You know, she'd had x-rays uh, to come to the stage. You know, they couldn't find anything wrong with her. They were telling her it was the way that she had slept. It was just like a creak in her neck. But like she was in excruciating pain. Um, then at kind of start of December, this very small little yeah, little growth, I suppose, started on her sternum. Um, so over Christmas, this kind of got bigger. Um, after Christmas, she still had the pain in her neck. So we brought her to a chiropractor, which seemed to be helping. But unfortunately, this growth was now coming, to say the size mm. of your fist. It had its own network of veins. So we brought her back to the GP. She was sent for further x-rays. The GP wasn't concerned. Um, I had to push then for further tests. So we were told um, she had to wait six months for an ultrasound or if we paid for it, she could have it the following weekend. So needless oh. to say, we paid wow. for mm. it. And I went in when she was having the ultrasound. I was speaking to the sonographer and he was saying, oh, you know, it's nothing. All it is is a collection of blood. Um, it's a hematoma from when she fell off the horse. Yeah. But like this is five months later. And we're saying like surely a hematoma should be getting Would better, not yeah. bigger. Mm -hmm. So he said, look, I don't think it's anything sinister, <clears throat> but I have been wrong before. Mm. I'll refer her on to a sports injury clinic. Um, but that never happened because she just after that she just really went down. Yeah, you rapidly. could you could see her. She was physically getting more and more ill. The energy was being drained from her. The color in her was being drained. Yeah. You could okay. see so it. Okay, so you her. knew was something serious. was. We knew. Yeah. yeah, we knew. She like she was losing weight. She was tired all the time. At this stage, she was then in the middle of her mock junior cert. So she had gone in um, and I think in the middle of her mock home economics, she had to go out and vomit. She was so ill. Mm. And then she came home the next day. She couldn't get up. I think it was for the geography exam. And she rang me at work and she said, Mom, I just really don't feel well. I'm not going in, but I'll go in for the maths later on in the afternoon. But she slept through the maths exam and she was absolutely distraught. You so must saying, have like, been... This isn't normal. No. Um, yeah. Now, her teachers in the school were really good to her. Um, you know, the maths teacher let her reset the maths paper at home and stuff like that. But you were just saying this wasn't normal. It's no answers at that stage. And we were kept, you know, knocking our heads trying to figure out what is going on here. Yeah. So we come up to then St. Patrick's weekend and um, we had booked a holiday to Croatia. And she, the summer clothes the summer. were in in pennies and she wanted to go down. So I brought her downtown and I parked the car a little bit away. So we went in and she bought the few bits and we were walking back up to the car and she couldn't make it to the car. You know, she just, she mm. literally had no energy. Yeah. And she just said to me, Mom, I feel my body is dying. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I just got her into the car and I said, look, Kira, we're going to find another doctor, you know, and I was thinking, oh, where where on the bank holiday are you going to find a doctor? Um, 
you know, I felt there was no point in going back up to sitting in A and E and to go back over things again. Yeah. So I brought her. There was um, a new walk-in clinic had opened up in Tralee, yeah. and Doctor Muhammad, he had been a pediatrician. He'd been a pediatrician, and he set up his own clinic. Yeah, it was like a walk-in clinic. So we literally just walked in the door there. Walked in, and straight away, straight he, away, he said, "Your child is so ill. You know, uh, you have to get." To hospital, so that that was. So really he referred cool. us back to UHK then, yeah. and when we went in there, they went to do a blood test, and straight away it went everywhere. She just she had, she had no, no platelets. Yeah, she her no blood had completely clotted. broken down at that stage. Yeah. I'm not a I, I'm not a medical person, but had her bloods been done before? Like no, her no. bloods had never been done, this and I think thing. that's that's really yeah. you know what should have been done. You know, that's. Um, uh, yeah, so. I think what happened was I think be- because of the 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 history of her activities and the fact that she was sporty, she had injuries previously, and the fall from the horse that m- may have clouded it slightly at the start. But I mean, you know, when we were told it was a hematoma or whatever, like, and one of the doctors in Crumlin straight away said to me, he said, "Oh no," he said, "Look, you know, they get bigger, then they go get, they get smaller. They don't keep growing, growing, and growing, growing." You know. So there was definitely something there, you know. So, so I, I was going to ask you that question further down the line, you know, in terms of advice. Yeah. But obviously, getting a blood test. Mm. Yeah. Is, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And number yeah, one. Big. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then, presumably, very quickly, you probably found out that Kira had leukemia. Yes. Yeah. So I was in A and E with her. There was so much activity going on. We went from kind of like, oh, it's a bank holiday. What are you doing here? you know, was what one of the doctors has actually said to us. And I said, well, actually, my child is quite ill. And then when they went to put in the cannula and they just couldn't stop the bleeding, you know, kind of they knew something was wrong then. And the room was just getting more and more full of doctors and nurses. And there was just a lovely nurse. I'll never forget her, Carmel. And she was just so nice to us, you know, there. And I knew that evening, you know, when you're offered the cup of tea, in mm. A&E, you know, there's something wrong. Mm. So I phoned, they, she said, oh, maybe you should phone your husband um, to come in. So I phoned Des and Des and our daughter Ellie came in. So we weren't told anything that night. We were moved then up to Cashel, up to the paediatric ward in Kerry General. And it was the next day. Um, again, there was lots of activity going on and doctors in and out. And um, I asked one of the ward sisters, and she said, oh, I'm not supposed to tell you, she said. But yeah, she says it looks like she has leukemia and you'll be you'll be moving up to Dublin. Yeah, no, we, we've so. kind of we just had the feeling ourselves. We knew that it was it was severe, it was serious. It had to be something in that ballpark, you know, so. So you had already gone psychologically in your mind, you'd already gone to. Just a serious place because Kira was yes. so sick. Worst, you worst knew. case scenario. Yeah. You know, we were in worst case scenario. But still, even 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 accepting and preparing yourself for it just doesn't oh, prepare just you for it. When you somebody know, that says feeling. to you, you know, leukemia or cancer, like, you know, just hearing the words out yeah. loud, that absolute shock, you know. It's a very, very scary, scary word. Yeah. You know, it's a very scary word. It's, you know, it's serious. Um, you know, and I suppose you just straight away go to. Yeah. And I mean, the, the medical staff that you're dealing with are, I mean, they're very professional. They can give that poker face to a certain degree, but even they couldn't hide what they knew and what they understood of the situation. And they're, you know, they're telegraphing it in the way they were speaking, the way they were looking at you. And you just knew that this was going to be bad. And you're saying, oh, God, how, how, just how bad is this going to be, you know? 
on on that subject, do you, how, do you have any medical knowledge? What what did the diagnosis mean to the two of you? Well, well, I'm a nurse. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm 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 in IT. No, but I'd say you were deep diving on that Google to beat the band. Which I, is I, that I, a I'd good s- thing or a bad thing? No, this that's a very I would bad absolutely thing. say don't go don't. if it's not your 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 area of expertise. Don't go down there because the information you will get will just drive you bananas. Because yeah. number one, you do, you're not prepared. You not you don't understand it. It's, you know, these guys spend a, half a lifetime developing all this, this knowledge, this, this understanding, and it's just not the sphere that most of us will, will, will yeah. understand. And, you know, you, you learn to trust the doctors around you, especially in Crumlin, because there, there are, there's such an amazing talent of very hardworking, dedicated people there who devote their lives to this. And you just trust their instincts, trust what they will tell you. When you start Googling, you start getting words like catastrophic as outcome. And you can say you, you dismal. Can't, you, you, the one word dismal. that sticks out for me is dismal. dismal. I mean, when somebody writes that on, 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 on a paper to say the outcome for something that your daughter has as being dismal, you it's very hard to, to keep a positive outlook. Yeah, on it. extremely. So I think that's that's a vital message to send out. Don't yeah. do the Googling. Yeah. It's don't do the Googling. Every and case it's very hard is different. Not to. But every yeah, each case, case each different. person is so different. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, you have to you have to maintain that positivity. And, you know, when you start Googling things out of context or you pull bits of documents here, because nobody's going to be able to read a 120 page medical paper. So you start kind of speed reading and you find statistics and you're looking at, you know, 81 percent bad outcomes and 90 percent and all that. And you think, oh, God. So the only way we could look, d- deal with it was just to say, there's still 10% there. There's still 15% there. There's still whatever the percentage is. And you still, if you're in the game, you're still you're still able to play it. Yes. And to, and to be as positive as we can be, we do yeah. know that leukemia, the treatment of leukemia over the last 30 years has just improved That's so unbelievably yeah. dramatically. The way it has changed. And like, yeah, you we say, somebody would say, of our age, who in our 50s, like we would have been hurt, we'd have grown up with cancers, you know, in, in, our, in you know, 20, 30 years ago, where, the outcomes were very, very poor. And I mean, they have increased so much now. I mean, they're so much better. I mean, for our daughter, she had not a complication, which we can speak about later, which made things worse for her. The outcome could potentially be worse. But, you know, for a lot of people now, if you get it in time, if you can identify what the cancer is, get them into the medical, into the, into the system as soon as possible. Um, the outcomes are, are, are so much better. Yeah, they are. What resources did you find helpful to understand what the journey, once you had the diagnosis, um, presumably you very quickly had to collect yourselves and, and mm. work yeah. out, OK, what is going to be involved here? What resources helped you? What did you find useful? Um, well, in Crumlin, we were given a, what they call a passport. Mm-hmm. So each child is given their plan of treatment. Okay. And also in it is, you know, different services that you can use as information from the Irish Cancer Society. Um, there's like avians, pink tie and stuff like that. It's yeah. all in it. So we, we relied an awful lot on the passport. Yeah. That's it's like it's like a, very, a large folder that they hand you with maybe 20, 30 sections in it. And each section has the, the, the relevant resources that you'll need for, you know, which for will your just, child. Yeah, for your child. Yeah. There's areas in there where you record everything. You found oh, that, that a good thing. Excellent. When yeah. it was when it was handed to me, I was almost prepared just to look at it and go. I don't need this now. I, I really have. I have too much on my plate. I have too much stuff to, to be thinking of. I don't need this. But after a week or two, 
it, it became invaluable and it became invaluable as a fallback to be able to look back and when a doctor asks you a question, which they will ask you because this journey can be so long that the actual hospital files start running into second volume, third volume, fourth, fifth volumes, and the doctors only carry the current volume. So they're going to ask you questions about her previous care. And you, you, something, you need to be able to understand it and know it because he mightn't have everything in front of him. He has a folder with what's happened in the last couple of weeks, you know. So it's always good to have to be able to record the, the blood levels as, as for each examination, the, the history of all the different operations or procedures that were done so that you can answer questions. So, yeah, so like we carry this passport literally everywhere yeah. with us. Every yeah. visit to the hospital, yeah. it went into the car and it went in with us. And yeah. when people asked us questions, we're you saying, were just able to go back and go. have a look. Yeah, yeah because, the, the, you know, that's a great tip. Like, keep the passport yeah. as a Bible, have it. Because yeah, you it. can Literally. sometimes you're just emotional. You can't take in the information. You can't mm-hmm. recall yeah. information. How can you? You know, and some are better than others at retaining yeah. medical information. Yeah. I presume your nursing abilities helped helped yeah, you yeah. but other oh, yeah. people are going to be yeah. completely at sea with this yeah yeah i mean i i had to defer an awful lot of that to dolores because i just went you just go over my head you know but you know having the information there and when a doctor is asking just be able to look at it and say this is the definitive answer to a question and it just it took so much pressure off you because sometimes you're there worried like are you giving the right answer or the wrong answer you know okay brilliant so anybody who's handed that passport don't be intimidated by it and how yeah. the scale yeah. of it just use it yeah. in it's, time it's, it's going to help you it's yeah. there to help you okay that's brilliant that's brilliant to know that now i, I want to ask you next what period of time uh, did the treatment take place have you got your passport um, there so handy now? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> no, she's diagnosed Actually, in March. Deirdre, we got tattoos. Got oh wow, I love those. <laughs> From her diagnosis <laughs> date. Oh, yeah, amazing. So she was diagnosed um March, March 2019 mm-hmm. and officially she finished uh the 27th of September 2021. She rang the bell. Okay, right. Yeah, she so, rang that bell. Yeah. Which was a she great, a great bell, moment. Oh man! Yeah, it was yeah. So emotional. Congratulations! Yeah. It must have been. I can yeah. only, I can only imagine. Um, yeah. What what that was like? Uh, tell me what, how it affected Kira in terms of school, her friends, her social life. What what happened during that period of time where she was having treatment? Yeah. Well, everything just stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, she. Um, as I say, she was in the middle of doing the junior cert, so she never got to complete that. Um, initially, we, when we went up to Crumlin, we were there from what, from about the 19th of March. Um, so we were there for about 11 days. Yeah, that was the first visit. Yeah, and then she had about a month at home, but we were up and down to Crumlin maybe three times a week. Okay, so now you live in Kerry. From, you we live, live in Kerry, so, so it's 300 kilometres each way. Our, our little Alfa Romeo was hammered <laughs> up and down the motorways of this country for those two years. Yeah. How so did you do it, guys? Because you, you've got two other children, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Brandon was in university in Cork. And the kind of ironic thing was Brandon is studying genetics. So um, that was another resource for mm-hmm. us. But unfortunately, Brandon was only, you know, seeing things from... The scientific, the scientific the cold, side. the cold, hard facts of science. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It doesn't really have a bedside manner, unfortunately. <laughs> 
And then Ellie, um, she was 16 at the time, so she was in fifth year. So I think it really impacted Ellie an awful lot. Yeah, Yeah, she was here, you know, at home. And I must say both of our families really rallied around. They were fantastic. You know, Des is originally from Kerry and I'm from Dublin, but both families just really rallied around us. You know, they were so good to us, you know, emotionally and. They were just there for us financially, really. They yeah. really helped us out. And my mother know, was amazing. my mother was on the end of the phone. My sister was able to collect Ellie from different things. She could drop her to school or collect her whenever is necessary. It was just it yeah. was just amazing, you know. Yeah. And just neighbours across the road, neighbours yeah. across the road have a bus company. So like he would pick Ellie up, you know, bring her to school, make sure she got home again in the evening. Like everybody was just so good yeah. to us. You know. Yeah, we've we've it was really we, we found then just how kind of ex- ex- extensive the support network that you have in this country is, you know, with through through family and friends. It's vital, right? It's absolutely mm, vital. absolutely absolutely. Because other than that, it's a very very lonely journey because you really feel isolated like that. You know, you feel it's just you against the world. You know, but when you have everybody there just to pitch in and, and they're all willing to help you, it's just you got to be open to it and just yeah. take the help when it's offered. I think that's right. It takes a while to accept the help and say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Actually, yes. Will yeah. you will you do yeah. that? Will you make that trip? Will you look after her, pick him up, yeah. pick her up? Yeah. That impacts your time. Like, so your everybody's life was disturbed in the family. Everybody's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As I say today, it's like we were just a normal family you know, living a normal, boring life. And suddenly we were just plucked out of it and just put on this journey that we kind of this knew nothing roller about. coaster, the most outlandish roller coaster you could ever imagine. Yeah. And it just, each time when you went down the lungs, dip in it, it would just like throw you down an even steeper curve. Oh. And you just, oh. yeah. You certainly have to dig deep, don't you, in terms of uh, resilience and all of that. You have to kind of lose a certain sense of your own self and and relying on or, or being yourself. Like for for the two of us, we became a much better team because we literally just had to just throw the ball from one to the other, and there was no questions. You just had to do it. Like boom, I might have to go to Dublin to stay with her, and then literally Dolores would be down in Kerry. She'd bring the car up. We'd swap cars. I'd drive back, and you know we had that kind of a, a thing going on for a while. You know, and when you're when you're there as well, when you're in in Crumlin or when you're in Dublin then you have to you, you spend the last couple of years building your home and you have this family life where you become you know you've, you've kind of gone from being a student where you've shared houses and shared accommodation to having your own space and you've gotten used to your own space when you're in Crumlin then you're staying there and you're staying around and then you have to go back to sharing your space with other people again and just to, just to, to relearn that and to understand that it's not all about you. Did you stay in the hospital? What happens when you're travelling from somewhere like Kerry? What yeah, happens? well, Kira, um, yeah, Kira <coughs> was so ill that um, in the May, on the May bank holiday, Kira um, became really ill. She picked up um, what they now know was a fungal infection. So she had, she was neutropenic, so mm. she was open to infections. So Kira then was admitted to hospital from May to the middle of September, September. so she didn't leave Crumlin Hospital. Okay, that's a long period of time. So how did you deal with that? Well, both of us then moved to Crumlin. I, you know, I took leave of absence from work and um, Des had already gone back to education. So he he was off. Yeah, I had to to finish that as well. So he had to cut that short. So we both moved up there because she was she was so very ill that both of us were told that we had to be there at all times. So that meant um, Ellie was at home? Ellie was mm-hmm. at home. Brandon was in Cork. 
so that's where family really became important, you know, to be able to be there for, you know, for Ellie. Right. She's, she's you... a great girl. Yeah. She really grew up over that period did, of got time. Over, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. I was living in the room with Kira. Uh, so I was sleeping there. She wouldn't let me out of her sight. And um, we had uh, we had a room in the Ronald McDonald house, which is in the grounds of the hospital. And yeah, which just... which I mean, the, the guys who run the Ronald McDonald house are, are real unsung heroes in in Crumlin, because I mean, what they offer really is is one of the most is, is an amazing service in terms of for your mental health, not just your physical well-being, but your mental health that it gives you a sense of normality. Because you, you you're staying in the house, you have your own room, your own shower, your own bathroom. Uh, you have a shared kind of a cooking area. You have people who come in who volunteer. We say from the local the the work communities and the offices and whatever in Dublin Amazing. come in to cook for the the residents of the Ronald McDonald House, which is such a lovely lovely thing. Yeah. But you also have your own cooking facility. You can cook there as well, and you can actually start to eat and live kind of kind of a normal existence, normal life, and. And, you know, when your child gets better, you know, and they're, they can come out of the room, they can move into that house. They can stay with you for a night or two as well. You know, it's just it's just an amazing. And does amazing, everybody um, get to avail service. of the Ronald McDonald House? Or- no, it's, you have to be, yeah. I think, is a 45 kilometers outside of Dublin. Yeah. And your child has to be, you know, um, extremely ill, yeah. more or less like a life limiting illness. And even even with that, there, there just aren't the spaces. I mean, I was in like there is a parents accommodation in Crumlin, which, you know, is in in very bad circumstances that they provide as good a service as they can within what the, the, the hospital can afford. I mean, the limited facilities that they can offer within the hospital. And I, you know, I, I don't deny that it's really good. But while we were there, you have a room but you have shared bathroom facilities. I mean, there's like maybe two or three shower areas. Most of the time, one or two of them are probably not operational. So you have maybe 20 to 25 men sharing a single or two toilets and one shower, shower, which, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's better than nothing, but it can be quite, quite tough and quite hard, you know, mentally as well. As I say, when you're used to building your own home and having your own family and you've got your own space, you've got to go back to that, that scenario again. But as I say, you, the, the sense of yourself has to be diminished during this process, so you have to do whatever is necessary. But while for the initial part of Kira's illness, I was staying in the parents' accommodation in the in Crumlin, but we'd put our name down for the Ronald McDonald House for a space there. We were hoping that she wouldn't, we wouldn't need it, that she'd be better, she, we'd be able to go home, but that didn't transpire, so we were there for quite a while, and eventually a room came available. And things just turned around then once once we had that space. That's so we, interesting. So that, us, that was a huge plus. We can go into the kitchen there and cook, sit down and cook. Up to that, if we needed to eat, we, we you know, you went to the Chinese and Drimna. I mean, they were fantastic, don't get me wrong. The Chinese and Drimna is amazing. <laughs> and the Indian up the road. Shout the out Cumberland for the Chinese and Drimna. Okay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, lifesavers. But, you know, that's obviously not a great way to live for an extended no. period of time. So Whereas the Ronald McDonald House, I mean, Joe Kenny in there is just fantastic. I mean, what he did for us is just amazing. I mean, I will go through some of the other people. I mean, obviously, you know, our, the, the oncologists and everything there, I mean, they're important, but it's it's the sideline. It's the guys who are kind of standing there on the sidelines, giving you the, the encouragement and the support and the help. They are so important. And what those guys do in Ronald McDonald House and the... Um, Avian's Pink Tie, they have a house on... Yeah, Avian's Pink Tie. Avian's Pink Tie have a house on the Crumlin Road as well. They have a house on the Crumlin Road as well. 
And yeah. those services are just incredible. They're just so important to people like ourselves from down the country who have such a long journey to come up and we can't be kind of driving in and out all the time. You know? Do we have enough of them? Is there is there enough? No. As, as I say, we waited quite a while to get a space in the Ronald McDonald House and we were there for a very extended period of time. We're there for about 89 days. Yeah, we? we were Gosh. one of the longest, I think, in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while, while we were there, there was other people who were queuing up. And I mean, you really feel bad. You're thinking like, do I really need to be here? Do I need this room? Like, should I give it up to somebody, another family who really needs it, whatever? And because there's just so much, there's so many people waiting for it all the time. It's just a limit. Okay. Accommodation like that is just so limited in Dublin, you know? Okay. We, we're, we're covering an awful lot now. I, I realize we're, we're kind of going in all kinds of different directions. But so this mm. might be an odd question in the face of that. You might have answered it already. But what, to your mind, would you say the biggest challenge that you faced during the treatment was? Um, staying positive <laughs> there's a yeah, few that's... things I suppose yeah staying positive big thing really affects your mental mm. health you know in the middle of the night you know or while you know Kira was so so tired so so ill yeah. she slept an awful lot of the time so you're there in the room and of course your mind is yeah. ticking over and you're going over what did the doctor say what does that mean Will I Google it? Um, You know, that was just the really big thing, I think, for us. The other big thing, obviously, you know, we've touched on this, being from Kerry and being separated, you know, from your other other children. You know, and in a sense, we were kind of lucky because theirs are that bit older. You know, Kira was diagnosed at an older age, so our children were that bit older. You know, there was other people with small children that were there leaving. Of course, you know. which is going to be an even an even bigger challenge to leave a toddler behind with financial. Uh, the financial is, is the thing that I think people just yep. don't Huge. talk about enough. To be honest with you, uh, that's yeah. just yeah. going on my own experience. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> are you happy to tell me a little bit about what that was like? Yeah. So. As I say, like I gave up my job, so I wasn't being paid. Um, so essentially, there's no money coming yeah. into the house. So you, you lost know, you one income. Up. You were yeah. Des already had gone back to education. Yeah. I was I was back in back in college again, just to yeah. kind of retrain in IT to try and up my skills, and okay. I had to abandon that because there's no way I commit that amount of time and try and manage the the journeys up and down to Dublin and staying in Dublin. But uh, luckily, I mean, for us, well, look, we, we, we didn't have any massive outgoings. We've no, we have no massive bills. But I mean, I could understand for people who have huge mortgages or big car loans, like it can be it can be a huge. massive impact. Yeah. Like a meteorite coming out of nowhere. You know, if you're coming from, you know, a level of income, but you have a, a, an equal level of outgoings and suddenly that income is, is cut because you've, you've got to look after your child. The state system, the state supports are there. And I mean, they are, they are there, but they're, they're nowhere near what's going to be required. Yeah. You know, okay. um, family really helped us yeah. out financially. Basically, yeah. like we were given more than a year's salary, like through our families you yeah. know, to be able to, to keep going. And we wouldn't have been able to. We probably not. No, I probably no. would have had to go back to work. I, I don't think uh, I don't think it's a, an understatement to say that I think that's most people. I think that's yeah. most yeah. people need. Yeah. need I don't think people give it enough, enough thought, you know. Yeah. And, but and also, I mean, the 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 other services that were there, like we say, from the Irish Cancer Society. I mean, they they gave us a grant yeah, as well. They're fantastic. It's a small grant, but I mean, it's still it's still part. It still adds to it. And there's a great charity in Cork, then the Children's Leukemia Association. 
they they gave us help as well. I mean, these 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 organizations are there and they will help you right. when you need it. You know, so yeah. that's why it's so important that people should support you. Know, it sounds support like support them when they can. It sounds like you wouldn't have gotten by without them. So they they do oh, work. Absolutely, no, 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 no. And the no. thing was, we didn't know about them beforehand. So that was through we had a social worker in Crumlin, and we were also assigned a social worker here in Kerry. Okay. So between Lynn and um, Katrina. Katrina. They were fantastic. They were able to say, oh, you know, you can get this grant. You know, yeah. most of the time they just filled out the forms for us. You know, Lynn, Lynn was so helpful to them. us in, in Crumlin. Right? She was a social worker there. She she was able to not just tell you what was available, but she she, she knew the frame of mind that we were in, that we didn't care. Do you know what I mean? We, our, our, our focus was, was taken with, with, with our daughter and we just didn't have time. She would actually get the forms and she would start to fill them out. And she says, Des, sign that. That's all you got to do now. And like, you literally just, you just sign it. You're yeah. not sure. And you just put it down. She would do, you know, she couldn't do enough for you. And that was fantastic because that just took a lot of pressure off us and gave us a lot of information that was there, you know, that, that, that of the service. And like, you know, for, for all we give out about the, the state services in this country, there are quite a few there. And if you take advantage of them, they are, they are a huge help. But, you know, sometimes they may not be enough and people need to be prepared for that, that you need to understand that this is this, there's going to be a hell of a financial impact. OK, but it. if there was somebody listening to this podcast now and their immediate thought was, we're not set up for this financially, then you would say, go and talk to your social worker. There is a social go worker in the hospital. Go and talk to your social worker. And they'll, yeah. they'll give you a lot of information. An awful lot of information. Yeah. 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 So there's yeah. Totally in the first few days, like Lynn was just so part of the team. She was mm-hmm. important to us, say, as the oncologist was. We, we, we didn't realise it at the time, just how important she yeah. was. But, you know, as, yeah. the, as the initial shock and fog cleared, when the smoke, the initial diagnosis of smoke cleared and we were able to kind of start moving forward, she she honed into sharp focus on how important, you know, her, her role in our, in our life was. OK, that's really important to hear that. How is Kira now? she's great yeah she's good she's 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 gone full circle back to being an ordinary teenager isn't that (laughs) just phenomenal yeah Yeah. she's just come back from Portugal she was away there at the you know um, end of leaving their trip so she went went off with about six or seven of her friends and went down to Albufeira Albufeira for a week um, energy wise, um, she's not 100%. Um, she hasn't gone back horse riding and that was her passion. She just wouldn't be able for it at the moment. Yeah. But she's joined the gym mm-hmm. and she's cycling and yes, yeah, she, she is good. But, you know, on the other side of her treatment, she when she was diagnosed with the leukemia, they also discovered that she had a genetic mutation called Lefraumeni yeah. syndrome. So unfortunately, Kira doesn't have um, a cancer suppressant gene. Yeah. So she may uh, get cancers further on in her life. So she. There's a highly likelihood of, of developing tumours. Tumours. Okay. Randomly different tumours. So, I mean, it's as, as I say, the danger of Googling is like when, when we looked this up first, we were looking at the figures and they're stark. Yeah, they're very, very bad. Very you know? poor prognosis. Yeah. And but. You have to kind of break it down the way the cancer treatments have have advanced, and detection is so is so acute uh, is so is so sharp now. They can they can detect cancers so early that all it takes now for for Kira is she needs to be monitored regularly. And that's the so, thing when you're in the system, yeah, you you will yeah. be watched this, like a hawk. They yeah. will watch her. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. it. 
and so that's one of the great parts of it is that the system is now it's extended on like she like Kira was of the age to go into the children's hospital when she was diagnosed and for most of her treatment but now she's going out into the adult system but they have this buffer zone between the main adult system now uh, called the AYA, the Adolescent Young Adult Program. Uh, Sherelle Alkin, um, yeah. Dr. or Professor Gallagher, isn't it? Professor Gallagher, yeah. They run that in St. James's. They they look after the children who've survived the cancer and gone through it. And they're now, they need that 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 extra care, that extra kind of pair of eyes on them to keep an eye on them as they go through and that's I think that's a fantastic uh, program because that just Brilliant. you know it keeps them in focus it keeps them there it keeps them in mind and it allows Kira just to live her life as normal but we just keep an eye on things and yeah. keep in the back of our mind that this is there you know so I'd say the positive you were talking about staying positive that is an ongoing thing. It's not just for the duration of the treatment. You you have to live your life differently, don't you? Yeah. Like yeah. Just yeah. yeah. But adapt you know, a positive mindset. It's a mindset. very small price to pay for it, I think. Absolutely. You know, And I mean, I, I remember the first night when we were in Crumlin, after we were diagnosed in Tralee and she was brought up by ambulance to Crumlin and I stayed in the room with her that night. And, you know, I, I, that was the first time I kind of allowed myself to break down. You know, she was sound asleep in bed and I was just in tears. And I was just thinking, God, I would do anything for her to survive this, you know. You would give anything, any price. You would pay any price just to survive, just to, just to get out of this. And I just think back to that time when you were making those bargains with God and yourself, and you think, whatever happens now, you'll pay that price. You'll you'll go with it, you know. And you'll do whatever is necessary, you know. So for us now, with the program that she has with the AYA in St James's, we'll gladly go along with anything they they ask to do whatever is required, because we have that gift now that she is here with us and we, we, we can do these things. So, Thank you for sharing that, because it's not easy. I know it's um, mm. you're, you've gone to the deepest, darkest places and you've come out oh, the other yeah. side. Yeah. yeah. We might stop at this point because I really want to meet Kira, but unfortunately we have to wait until the next episode. Um, but I want to hear her journey and her experience of ALL. And I also want to talk to you further, Dolores and Des, to hear what reflections you have on your experience and what advice you might have for other families. So until the next episode, thank you to Dolores and thank you to Des.